Father, you are faithful. You are good to your children. You've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And Father, we thank you that you are speaking to us. I pray your word would accomplish what you wanted to accomplish, Lord. I pray for your anointing upon the word. I pray you would give the increase. As was already prayed, give us ears to hear. This is a word from God to us this morning. It's for this body, Lord, you're teaching us the ways of your kingdom. You're teaching us, Lord, how to stand in this hour. You're teaching us, Lord, how to walk in the way that you have called us to walk, Lord. So God, speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Nehemiah, if you want to turn over there. But I'm going to read a scripture out of Ephesians before we start. Uh, The title this morning, sorry, (laughs) will be, We Wrestle Not Against Flesh and Blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And if I could put a little subtitle on there, um, fighting the good fight of faith. Something uh, we're going to need. You see, God's called us and he's given us a task and the enemy's not very happy. And he's going to try everything he can stop what God's doing, but it's futile on his part. Uh, But we do need to understand his schemes, how he works. We need to understand how we are to fight and how we're to stand and how we're to continue to keep our focus where it needs to be, to keep our eyes on God, to remember what he has spoken to us and never forget it and stand on it and act upon it. And work together for it as a body and for his glory. And that's what this is all about. Because God is building a spiritual building. He's building it with people that the Bible tells us are like spiritual stones. That he fastens and he shapes. And he's putting this spiritual building together. That's going to glorify him in the earth. That's going to accomplish his purposes in the earth. And you all are a part of it. He's called you. He's called you out. He's fashioning you. He's shaping you. He's molding you. He's given you a promise. And he wants to place you into his plan that is unfolding in the earth. those who are submitting to the call and process. I'm going to read in Nehemiah 1 here in verse 4. We went over this a few weeks ago, actually before we started the meetings, and uh, he's surveyed the damage. He's seen the destruction that sin and idolatry has brought about on the land. He's grieved. He's wept. 
which precedes the call. And I believe God is helping us to do that. And it says here in verse 4, when I heard the words, when I understood what happened to my people, what has happened in the land, I sat down and wept. I mourned for many days. I was fasting. I was praying before the God of heaven. And I said, oh God, God of heaven, oh great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please God, let your ear be attentive. That cry is going forth. There are people that are crying that cry, oh God, hear us in this hour. God, we see, God, we're grieved with you, Lord. We're beginning to understand your pain, Lord, of what sin does and how it affects people and how it destroys families and children and lives and souls for all of eternity. God, and we're crying out to you, Lord, because you promised, God, hear us. Hear the prayer of your servant. God, I'm here. I'm yours. I'm available, Lord. Use me. Because he's called you. You responded. You're saying, God, use me. I'm here. Take my life, God. I'm giving everything to you. I'm your servant. Which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, Lord. This is our fault. This is my fault. We sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned against you. We've acted very corruptly against you. We haven't kept your commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. God, remember, I pray your word, your promise. And I want to speak this to you, to this body. God gave us a promise in Ezekiel 36. And he said, because of my name, for my name's sake, I'm calling you. I'm going to do a work in you. And it's for my name's sake, even though you've acted corruptly, even though you rebelled against me, even though I had to bring destruction, I have a promise for you. I'm calling you. And I will do it for my name's sake and for my glory. And he prays back to God. We need to pray back to God. God, you said, you promised, Lord. If we found ourselves in this place because of our own rebellion, you promised if we prayed to you. If you're unfaithful and I scatter you among the nations, but if you return to me, And you keep my commandments to do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of the heavens, yet, yet I will gather them to me. I will call you to me. I will bring them to the place which I have chosen for my dwelling, for my name. Lord, these are your servants. These are your servants, your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. You, you are his people that he's redeemed by the power of his great hand. 
Now, as your pastor, as God's servant, He's commissioned me. I've shared that with you. There's no shadow of doubting or my mind what He wants to do, what He's promised in His Word. Um, And so, I want to encourage you this morning, just like Nehemiah in chapter 2. He says to the people, I say to you this morning, you see the distress we're in. You see the turmoil this country's in. You see the state of the church. You see maybe your own life and the struggles you've had. You see how Jerusalem lies waits. You see how its gates are burned with fire. But come, let us build. Come, let us build. Let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And he told them, and I'm telling you, the hand of God that is with us. There's no shadow of a doubt in my mind. God is with us. God has spoken. I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to the good work. Now, he had a pagan king that basically gave him favor and gave him everything he would need to fulfill what God had laid on the king's heart. And God himself promised him he would be with him. Well, the king has given us his favor. He's given us his favor, people. It's in the word. It's in the new covenant. We have the king's favor. We have all things that pertain to life of God. We have everything we need to rebuild. We have everything we need for restoration. Everything. He has provided everything. And he hasn't left us to our own strengths or our own abilities. He is with us. He's with us. And you have to remember that. Because in the beginning, we can get excited. We can muster up maybe. Okay, let's do this. But we got to understand, there's an enemy. There's an opposer, always, to what God is doing. And so, no different here. Verse 19, it says, But... When Sambalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite, official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us, they despised us, they said, what is this thing they think they're doing? What do you think you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, 
we will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So you understand the devil, the enemy, he has no inheritance. As insane as he is, as insane he thinks, somehow he's going to pull something off. Ultimately, he will be cast into a lake of fire one day. He has no inheritance. And he wants to take as many with him as he can. He absolutely despises and hates you. And anything that God does. And he's constantly, we are told in Ephesians that he is like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Let me read what I was going to read in there. Uh, Verse 10 in uh, chapter 6. Finally, my brothers and sisters, this is God is saying this to you this morning. This is what He's saying to you. I know you said yes. I know you've responded. But be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. In the power of His might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The schemes, the plotting. He is raging right now. He is not happy. He understands what happens when a group of people go all in. He saw it on the day of Pentecost. He understands. He's not happy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our war is not against man or politics or whatever. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. I'm not going to get into that whole passage. But we're going to learn from the book of Nehemiah how we do that. How we face the opposition of the enemy. And there's seven ways in the book of Nehemiah. He came at these people. But there's also seven ways they drew near to God and resisted Him. And we're going to learn as this people how to do that. We're going to have to know how to fight by faith. Not in our own strength. In the strength of the Lord. In His power and His might. As we determine to follow Jesus, understand this. As you determine to follow Jesus in the way he's calling you, expect opposition. Expect it. Expect it in your home. Expect it in your children. Expect it at work, wherever. Expect it in the body. Expect it in your own mind. 
He will come at you every way He can. Expect it. Expect it. So let's look now what they faced. Go to chapter 4, verse 1. So they begin to build. And so it happened. When Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious, very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. And he said, yeah. (laughs) Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, it's going to fall down. You know their record. They're just a bunch of failures. They've proven it. Look at them. You'll never be able to do this. You'll always be like this. You're useless. You can't do anything right. Just look at your past. You know, the devil always wants you to get you looking at you. Yep, I'm a failure. Yep, anything I've tried in my own ability, yep, even a fox could knock it down. But devil, God is with me. And devil, I'm forgetting the things that are behind. God has called me. He's commissioned me. He's with me. And it's no longer I'm who do, who's doing it. It's no me who's doing it. It's him doing it in me. You know why? He promised me. He gave me a word. They turned to God in verse 4. This is key. Don't even talk to him. They turn right to God. Hear, O God, for we're despised. Don't worry, he calls the despised things, remember? Turn their reproach on their own heads. Give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger. You that have children. What would you do if some you, you caught someone talking to your child like that? You're nothing. Huh. You'll never amount to anything. You're a loser. What would you do? Who's that an insult to? When they come at your kids. Really, who are they coming at? You. Well, when the devil hurls his insults and mocks us and all that, whose children is he mocking? Yeah. You you need to talk to my father. Devil. I know who my father, you know who my father is? You forget, I'm his. I'm his. And he's with me. 
So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. We got to have a mind to work, and we got to remember who we're working for. We're in our Father's business. Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business. We're about our Father's business. I feel sorry for anyone that tries to come against what we're doing for our Father. We've got to get our eyes on God and His promises to us and get them off ourselves. Because the devil's always right there to tell you, yeah, you, yeah, go ahead, try it. You've proven. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your, your eyes on God. Get your eyes on his promises to you. Set your mind. Set your mind on the things of God. Get them on God. Get it on God. They had a single purpose. They had a single goal. We need to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's the only way we're going to do this. How would you approach war? Well, I hope we win. Some army that would be. No, you got to go in to win. But, you know, it's like we already know. It's like, you know, in a natural war, I guess you don't know, but you still go in to win. There's no other option. Our families, our children... Everything is at stake. There's no option. We'll die doing it. That's why, you know, we honor our fallen soldiers. They laid their lives. They gave the ultimate sacrifice. Why would they do that? There was no other option. There's no other option for us. So we get through that. Well, okay. Then in verse 7... It says, now it happened when Samballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard the walls were going up. They were being restored. The gaps were beginning to be closed. They became very angry. You see the devil, he's just always angry. He hates when God's people are doing what they were created to do. He hates it. And all of them conspired together. To come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God. And because of them, we set a watch against them. Day and night. We're at war. We are at war. You don't slough off in war. You don't get lackadaisical. So the second way is just threat of war attack. We're going to get you. We're going to come in, man, and we're just going to cause confusion. You're not going to know what way we're coming from. And Nehemiah set the people to watch. Be alert. Jesus said in Mark 14, 38, Watch and pray lest you fall, enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 1 Peter 5.8, I quoted that wrong. I said Ephesians earlier. It's in 1 Peter, sorry. Be sober. Be vigilant. 
Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's all the time. We can't slack off. We have to be alert. We have to understand what is going on. We can't be sleeping. We can't be half asleep. We have to be totally alert. Like a, 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 a watchman on the watchtower. You know, you could get shot for falling asleep when you're on duty. We're at war. We're at war. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Be wide awake. The enemy of your soul is working, plotting, planning your downfall. Day and night, don't get caught sleeping. Watch and pray. And that comes by redeeming the time. Redeem the time. Be in prayer. Be in the Word. Don't get entangled in the affairs of this life. That's what brings about drowsiness. That's what dulls your alertness. Paul encouraged a young minister named Timothy. Be a good soldier. Don't get entangled in the world, in the things of this life. Be alert. Be sober. Okay. Third thing. Discouragement. Verse 10. Then Judah said, Oh, the strength of the laborers is failing. Oh, there's so much rubbish. Oh, we're not able to build the wall. This is too hard. And our adversary said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. And that's when we're most vulnerable. Discouragement. And again, where does that come from? Oh, look at the winds. Oh, look at the waves. Oh, look at my past failures. Oh, I'm so weak. Oh, this is just too much. I'm too messed up. Or, oh, this is just too hard. Whatever we say to ourselves, or the devil, we help him a lot. I don't, want, I don't like giving him too much credit. We, he doesn't need much help a lot of the times. What do we do? Deal with it quickly. Tell somebody. That's what they did, verse 14. Well, I'll, I'll, sorry, verse 12. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came and they told us ten times, whatever place you turn, they're going to be upon us. I positioned men behind the, the lower parts of the wall at the openings. I set the people according to their families with their swords, with their spears, with their bows. And I looked and I arose and I said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. I want to say that to you. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. He's with us. He's given us a promise. Remember the Lord. 
great and awesome. Remind yourself of who your father is. Get in the word and thank him for who he is. Go over his names that describe everything that he is. Recite his promises back to him. And thank him that he's faithful, that all of his promises are yes and amen. And then rest in the boat, because it's not going down. Jesus is in it. Who cares about the winds and the waves? He can speak two words, and everything changes. Be still. That's who your God is. He's not worried about the winds and waves. He's not worried about the threats of the enemy. He's taken care of him already. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. You understand what's at stake. There's people at stake. There's people counting on us. There's children counting on us. It's not just our families. It's other families that don't even understand what's going on. They don't understand there's an enemy that wants to kill them and drag them for hell for all of eternity. And God's calling us, fight for them. Do it for them. The families in Meadowview, they're surrounded. They need someone to fight for them. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. It's not too hard for God. It's not impossible. Do you understand what God can do? That's nothing for Him. I don't care how long they've been that way. I don't care what their home is like. My Father is the God of the impossible, and He's made me a promise. Don't be discouraged. It's not too hard. He's with us. And we're in this together. I love this. Therefore I position the men, verse 13, behind the lower parts, at the openings. I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, their bows. I look, I said to the leaders, don't be afraid. Then look at verse 16. So it was from that time on. I want to say to you, from this time on, we're going to have to be this way. Half of my servants worked at construction, while other half held spears, the shears, the bows, the, the bows, the whole armor. The leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built the wall, those who carried burdens, loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction. With the other they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side, ready with the word of God. Every one of the builders had his sword girded aside, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles, the rulers, all the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive. We are separated far from one another on the wall. 
So whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. And I don't know what they did when they rallied together. But I'm thinking they prayed. So we got to be aware. We're separated at times. But we need to blow the trumpet when someone's in danger. And we need to rally and we need to pray. So we labored in the work. And half the men held spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be a guard by night and a working party by day. So I, nor my brethren, my servants, nor the men who guarded, who followed me, took off their clothes, except that everyone took them off only for washing. You understand in a little bit what this is going to take? We're at war. Wartime isn't normal. You live differently. Everything changes. We're at war. Spiritually. We can't live like those that aren't in the war or fighting in it or they're fighting on the wrong side or they don't even realize there is a war. So don't be discouraged when it seems hard. Remember who your father is. Remember what he's promised. Look out for one another. Be sober. Be alert. Rally together to one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another as you see the day approaching. Number four, inward opposition. Chapter 5, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Basically, what was happening is people were hurting. They had no money, and people that had money were lending money, but they were doing usury where they were just putting the people under bondage. It was unmerciful. They were basically just being unmerciful instead of forgiving and releasing debt. They were creating a burden. It's a picture of just being unmerciful to one another. And Nehemiah finds out about it, and he's grieved, and he's like, what are you doing? This is hard enough, and you're, you're laying a burden on others? You're not forgiving? You're not being merciful? You're not giving of what, what you have to whoever is in need? You're exacting usury on them? This is not good what you're doing. God's called us to lay our lives down for one another. God's called us to love as he loved us. To give without expecting anything in return. To forgive. And then he takes the lead and decides, I'm going to be the example. And we need to decide individually. You know what? I don't care what anyone else is doing. I'm going to be the example. I'm going to set the example. Of not looking out for myself, but looking out for everyone else in the body. What's mine is theirs, and my life is theirs. If anyone wrongs me, whatever, or I feel like they owe me, I'm going to forgive them their debt. I'm going to be merciful as my father has been merciful to me, because he's forgiven me much. 
And, and he dealt with that, and it totally did away with all the, the problems that was happening because people were just being unmerciful. It's hard enough going through all the things we deal with when we're not loving one another and we're not bearing one another. So the only answer, repent, turn from our selfish ways. We see this in verse 9. Start to be an example and put the needs and interests of others before your own, before my own. Pressure, you know, tends to bring out the worst in us sometimes. So if it does, just repent. Just repent and choose to do the opposite. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Word of God. Be merciful. All right, number five, opposition through compromise. Nehemiah 6, verse 1, it says, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Gershom, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the world and that there were no breaks left in it, Though at the time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Sambalat Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ano, or I like to call it Ono. Ono. <laughs> but they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it to go down to you? But they sent me this message four times. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You deserve a break. Come on, so watch some TV. What's the big deal? You deserve it. Man, you've read your Bible already today. Come on, relax. Go shopping, you know, go spend the day just shopping. Get on the internet. It's okay. Come on. Come on. Come over here. This will relax you. Come on. See, the enemy will always try to distract you from God's work. Expect it. Expect more polls. Expect people, other Christians, whoever. Come on! Come over here! Man, you've gotten a little too serious. Come on, take a break. I'm at war. What are you talking about? There are no breaks. My family, my neighbors, people are at stake. What are you talking about? Besides, that's the enemy's camp. What are you, crazy? That's the enemy's camp. It's never safe to step into Satan's territory. He selects his own time to, to accomplish his purposes. We never know what he will do. What he will do. Time is irrelevant to Satan. He will wait. In the meantime, he's content to lure you to Walmart, on the internet, to sleep in when you could otherwise be seeking God in place of it. 
C.S. Lewis said, Our leisure, our play, is a matter of serious concern. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. So again, redeeming your time, knowing the days are evil. Redeeming the time. Don't compromise with the world, with the enemy. Because he's going to be there. Come over. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is the call that's been going out, by the way. He's calling his people out. But we got to come all the way out. Come out from her, my people. Be separate, saith the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean. Come out. We have to keep fanning the fire that God has lit. When we compromise, it's like pouring water on the fire. You have to feed the fire. You have to keep the fire going. You won't do that if you're compromising with the world. Number six. Opposition through slander and false accusations. Verse 5, chapter 6, it says, Then Samballat sent his servant to me as before, and we go again, the fifth time, but this time with an open letter in his hand. And in it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors... You are rebuilding the wall that you may be king, Nehemiah. And you've also appointed some prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there's a king in Judah. Now these matters, I'm going to tell the king on you. You're going to be in trouble. I'm going to tell the king. So come, therefore, let us, let's talk. Let's consult together. But I sent to him, I sent to him saying, no such things as you are saying is true, basically. Like, you're a liar. I can't tell you how many things I've heard <laughs> over the years. Pastor Jeff this, Pastor Jeff that. And it affects you, you know, but you got to know what you know before God. That's all I'm going to say. And people don't like it when you stand for truth and you speak the truth in love, sometimes they don't like it. And so the only thing they can do is slander you. And when you stand for God, your family will slander you, other people will slander you, they'll say all kinds of things about you. But you got to know the truth before God. That's all that matters. What God knows, what He thinks. Because the other is fear of man. And you will compromise your walk with God if you have fear of man. Fear God. Fear God. I walk in fear and trembling that I would do anything to misrepresent him, to treat someone wrong. And when I have, I will repent. But if it's false, if I know before God what I said, what I was in, that's all that matters. And God will deal with the slanderers. You leave them to God and you love them. You love them and you don't talk about them. 
You pray for them. You love them. You guard your heart from getting bitter or revengeful, whatever. You love them. Because you know what? We've probably all done the same thing at some point. Okay? No such thing as you say is being done. But you invent them in your own heart. They were trying to make us afraid. Saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. And you've got to turn to the Lord and know. Like I said, Lord, you know everything I do, I'll try to do is to be pleasing your sight, Lord. And I know you've called me, Lord. I know you're with me, Lord. Help me. It's hard when I hear these things. Help me, Lord. God, I need your grace. Keep me in your love. Don't let me grow bitter. God, I need you. God, I need your Holy Spirit, God. I need your grace to walk in integrity, God. Not to let these things affect me. Not to get me off my focus, what I need to be doing. And the people you've sent me to, Lord. I don't have time to worry about what people are thinking, God. All that matters is what you think and what you know and what you've called me to do. God, help me. I've spent many nights that way. And he's helped me. And I go on. And you will go on. Lastly, opposition through treachery. This is the... I guess the one you need most discernment for. This will come through Christians. It it could come through leaders, maybe someone you're listening to on YouTube, um, whatever. Uh, But I'll just read it. uh, Chapter 6, verse 10. And forgive me if I get one of these uh, pronunciations wrong. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahatabil. I think that's how you say it. Who was a secret informer, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God, within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come and kill you. And I said, Should should such a man as I flee? And who was... There's such as I who would go into the temple to save his life. I will not go in. Then I perceived, I discerned. God hasn't sent this guy. God didn't send him at all. But that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat hired him. This is a messenger of Satan. But you know, the Bible says... He comes as an angel of light sometimes. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in a way and sin so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God. You get in the picture, where does he keep going with this? My God. Father. Where do you got to keep going? God. Remember Tobiah and Sembaud according to these their works and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would, who would have made me afraid. You know what the devil will convince you? 
And he'll do it, like I said, through false teachers or watered-down gospel. He will try to get you to save your life. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die. We can do this another way. Save yourself. Come into the house of God. Come into this temple so you'll be safe. You won't have to die. Follow this gospel. You won't have to be crucified. Save yourself. That's not what Jesus said. That's not true. I know what the Word of God says. I know what the Holy Spirit bears witness in me to be true. I have to lose my... I have to die so His life comes forth in me. I can't save my life. i got to lay it down just like He did. That's what I'm called to. Get behind me, Satan. That's what he said to Peter. No, Lord, not you. Get behind me, Satan. That's not God. It's either the flesh, the mind of the flesh, which really is the mind of the devil. Save yourself. Beware of teachings. Beware of voices that will lead you away from your crucifixion. Beware. Know the Word of God for yourself. Allow God to give you discernment for the truth. Learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be led. Have convictions that you stand on personally. No matter what, no matter what everybody else is doing. A lot of people are falling for a watered-down gospel that makes friends with the world. With sin, coddles the flesh. Christianity without a cross. There's no gray areas in God's word. About what the life of a true believer exemplifies. Follow God, follow his word not men's opinions, and you won't be deceived. So in verse 15, it kind of wraps up. It says, Now the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all the enemies heard it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work had been done by God. What did God promise us in Ezekiel 36? I'm doing this for my namesake. I'm going to cleanse you from all your idols. I'm going to cause you to walk in my statues. I'm going to take your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to put my spirit within you. I'm going to give you everything you need to build my church, to glorify me. And when I'm sanctified in you, when I'm done, just like this, everyone's going to look and they're going to say, there's a God in heaven 
Look at those people. Look what God is doing. Look what God has done. And God will be glorified. That's what this is all about. God will be glorified. So don't give up. Don't give up. Despite all the opposition we will face. Don't give up. God is the master builder. And he's able to complete the work he has started in you and in us. Amen? Lord, I thank you for the confidence we can have in you. I thank you for the boldness we can have in your promises. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us, you've commissioned us. You've given us access to all the resources of heaven. We have your spirit. We have your word. We have your favor. And Lord, you're calling us. You're calling us out, Lord. You're calling us into your purposes, Lord. And God, I pray you'll make us gentle as doves and wise as serpents. I pray as we move forward, Lord, as we get involved in your work, in what you're doing in the earth right now, Lord, I pray you would cause us to stand in this hour. I pray you would teach us how to do warfare, how to be good soldiers for you, Lord. To understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness and and the devil, Lord, but I thank you, Lord, that in the end, Lord, you win. And in the end, when you're done doing what you're doing, you're going to be glorified and many, many souls are going to come into your kingdom because of it. So, Lord, be sanctified in us. Let the work go forth, Lord. Help us, Lord, as a people, as your body, to keep our eyes on you, to stand on your word, to allow you to do and produce in us the faith we're going to need to go forward, Lord, so that you can complete the work you started. You promised you would do that. So I pray for any here that are experiencing anything we talked about. Lord, I pray you would lift them out of it. I pray you would encourage them, Lord. I pray you'd give them a heart, give us a heart and a mind to work for the glory of God. In Jesus' name.